We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Today's lesson is the road to discovery. Like my new Toyota RAV4 Platinum. With the Entune Premium JBL Audio with integrated navigation and app suite, I'm always finding someplace new. Trust your heart and your feet will open a new way. Like my RAV4. It has a hands-free foot-activated power liftgate. Class dismissed. Anybody want to ride in my RAV4? Me! I mean, I humbly accept your offer. Well, come on. When you're driven by discovery, you find adventure. The 2017 RAV4 Platinum. Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast, folks. It is Wednesday, November 2nd. Typically, uh, the esteemed James Anderson and I record on Thursdays, but James is escaping the Midwest, uh, even though it's like 70 degrees here in Madison this week, to go to Arizona to do baseball stuff. Try that on that's what we're being told. Whoa, baseball. <laughs> uh, what exactly are you doing in Arizona as you're cheating on basketball? Uh well, there's the Arizona Fall League, which is a dumb. kind of extension of the minor league baseball season, and uh, we'll be, you know, scouting some some players there. There's there's a decent amount of top fifty, top one hundred guys there this year, and then also just kind of, 
you know, socializing with a lot of the uh, other people in the the fantasy baseball industry, a lot of, you know, our friends at, at other publications that we only get to see once a year. And, uh, you know, we'll be doing stuff with the, there's the first pitch Arizona convention and then also just, you know, some, some poker games and some mm-hmm. uh, samplings of, of beers that people bring in. It's, it's usually a pretty good time. Real who's who of the fantasy it's, baseball industry? It really is. It is a who's who. Nice. Um, so what's your World Series pick for tonight before we get into some round ball talk? Uh, I a like, lot of folks are back in the Cubs. So, I I think if I think the Cubs would be my pick, just because I think they, I, I don't see enough in the Indians' favor to to not pick the Cubs. But if if the Indians are able to get through, uh, say four innings with it being a, a tie game or uh, with the lead, then I would. I would swing it to them just because I, I don't think the Cubs are going to be able to score on their, their late inning arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know enough about baseball to make uh, an educated prediction. I have watched most of these this postseason, though. My, my good friend and it, roommate is a big Cubs fan, so yeah. I'm getting educated. You, you've chosen to, to, play yeah. or to, to stay at home and watch World Series games yep. instead of playing basketball on yep. Tuesday nights. So yeah, that and is, that's, that seems that's, like a good decision. That's like the upset of the entire postseason. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, speaking of basketball, the NBA – is going on we're a week into the season now um basically i wanted to give you a chance to one uh, make fun of me for a prediction that i made that's looking really bad right now and two gloat about two guys who you like who are playing really well right now so we'll start with uh me clay thompson i brashly so, yeah okay where did you say where you said this again too because it wasn't on one of these pods no. otherwise i would have made does it fun ma- of I mean, you does it really matter where i said it i said it <laughs> okay. uh, i said that <laughs> I, I thought clay, Ch- clay thompson was a nice uh, nice dark horse candidate to win the scoring title <laughs> sure uh we're now four games into the season and clay thompson is averaging 16.8 points per game that that does not lead the league that's nowhere close it's about half of what he needs mm-hmm. to be leading the league he is now three of 28 mm-hmm. from beyond the arc uh that's not that's not very good and yeah, I'm not feeling not feeling super great about that prediction right now. Uh, but he's gonna have to come around at some point, uh, right? Right? Oh yeah. Right? No, I mean I think he's he's uh, easily like top, a top five shooter in the league. So that's I I well, don't you, even really? I don't even care about no, I the don't. I don't even care about like what he's shooting right now. But uh, your prediction uh, definitely yeah you do looks where it looks even worse now than it did when you made yeah. it. yeah uh yeah we, we were debating of right now like what does clay thompson have a better chance to do win the scoring title or win the mvp maybe win the mvp <laughs> i mean i don't know the the thing is is like it's it's so clear on that team right now at least to me like kind of how everything's sort of shaken out where you have durant and and Pachilla, curry right. as, as the clear uh, top two scores. I think Clay's going to settle in as the the very very clear number three score. And Draymond Green, uh, much to my like, I, I was kind of expecting his rebounds and his assists to be down this year. Actually, I don't even know if he's is he even going to lose any ground in those two categories. No, he's, if anything, he's year. gaining ground. Yeah, so it he's not going to be doing any scoring at all, really, but the assists and the rebounds that he's going to get um, as kind of the only guy that's consistently close to the hoop mm-hmm. um, and not spreading out to the wings to spot up for threes is uh, going to make him, you know, he's going to remain valuable even though he's he's not scoring and he's definitely not shooting it very well. Do you think Draymond's okay with that? I mean, he took three shots uh, last night against the Portland Trailblazers, but 
uh, did stuff the sh- uh, stat sheet, I should say, pretty much everywhere else. So, I mean, like like I said, the rebounding totals are up. The assist totals are up. He had nine assists, eight rebounds, three steals, two blocks. So, typical Draymond really outside of the scoring. Um, I mean, we saw the last February on national TV, he's screaming in the locker room, I'm not a robot, you know, because mm-hmm. he, he didn't like, you know, kind of how he was getting the ball, where he was getting the ball, when he was getting the ball. Um, I mean, do you think now Draymond understands that with the addition of Durant, this is his new reality? Maybe not three shots, but, you know, most nights it could only be seven, eight, nine shots. I think that he, at least for now, is of the mindset that he's going to do whatever it takes for them to win. And, like, I think he'd, he'd like to be kind of doing both. He'd like for them to be winning and for him to be scoring a bit more. But uh, the worst-case scenario for him, and I think he kind of knows this, is to is for them to not live up to expectations and for people to be able to point to him as, yeah. as one of the reasons why. So, uh you know, as long as he's kind of constantly flirting with triple doubles every night, you know, I think that 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 is usually right. going to be enough to kind of make up for the fact that he's no longer a threat to score 20 points. I think the fact that they lost in the finals last year probably makes him more OK with this. And kind oh, yeah. Of, like, had they won and we're going for a three-peat, I think it, it, then it's easier to sit back and look and like, I'm not getting my numbers. You know, now it's, now it's back to, OK, we have to prove that we're the best again. It's all about winning. Uh, so in that respect, I, I think losing the finals – you know, it's never a good thing, but you know, from Draymond's individual perspective, that might be good for how he adjusts to the addition of Durant. Also in that game, Jake Lehman mm-hmm. made his debut, the second round pick out of Maryland, someone that you've been uh, very vocal about um, in saying that he's going to be a good NBA player. Six of eight from the field, five of seven from three. He has more threes in this game than Clay Thompson and Buddy Heald have combined mm-hmm. on the year in 42 attempts. Uh, Jake Lehman, Hall of Famer or not Hall of Famer? <laughs> Um, not a Hall of Famer, but uh, Yet. a guy that look like he only played eight minutes in that game, so it's not um, it, he's not to the point where he's he's played his way into being a, a big part of their rotation, but just kind of in what he did last night, he looks the part of an NBA player, and that was kind of always my my stance with him is that you know if you if you get a a rotation player in the second round that's a really good draft pick and I think that he is a rotation player long term on a decent team like he he's clearly got NBA range he looks really comfortable out there he gets his shot off uh quickly he doesn't need a, a ton of space uh he can he can do it a little bit off the dribble he can catch and shoot he's also uh pretty athletic uh just good at running the floor so th- those are kind of that's what he brings to the table. He's not an amazing defender, but he is athletic enough to guard some threes. Um, you know, some bigger fours would probably give him some trouble. But, uh, I mean, I think he's – that's a really deep team. I mean, it's going to be hard, I think, for him, even if he keeps oh, yeah. shooting like this, to, to ever uh, start seeing more than 20 minutes a game unless people start getting hurt. But uh, he's – you know, a lot of teams could use a guy like this that can that can stretch the floor, and I think they, they picked up at least an asset in the second mm-hmm. round there. Yeah, I mean, any anytime you're getting that kind of production, any kind of return on a 47th overall pick, that's obviously positive. Uh, but no, I'm with you. I don't. I don't think. I think even 20 minutes would be crazy. I don't know if he even gets to 10 minutes a game this year, just because they I already are so stacked. There are football. certain teams he would be getting yeah. 20 minutes on, though. Like, I mean, Nets put him on the put him on the Pelicans. Like, yeah, is he there? Second, second leading <laughs> scorer. Like, I mean, they, I think Tim Frazier's uh, their second leading scorer right now. So. Poor Pelicans. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think. That it's the fact that he's probably not going to play a ton this year says more mm-hmm. about the team he's on than, than how good he is. 
Zach Levine, uh, another guy you've been maybe even more vocal about than Jake Lehman. He's been the Timberwolves' best player so far. Um, we, I talked with DJ this morning in the office about just how disappointed, I guess, relative to expectations I've been with Towns so far. And, you know, we're talking strictly fantasy here. I mean, he's been fine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think the numbers that Davis is putting up is almost what people expected from Towns, even though, you know, what Davis is doing right now is just ludicrous. Uh, but Towns has been re- relatively quiet. Uh, I think he's had 11-10 and 10 in that big win over the Grizzlies last night. But it's Levine. Uh, who's averaging 24 points per game, over two assists, almost five rebounds. Uh, And the biggest thing for me is that he's kind of shown that the three-point shooting last year wasn't a fluke. And again, he only has nine attempts on the year. He's only taken, um, or sorry, not nine on the year. He has 22 on the year, Uh, but he's shooting 46% from three. He was right around 38, 39% last year. And that was a pretty big jump from his rookie year. Uh, So I think there was some skepticism as to whether he can keep it up, but he looks considerably better than he looked last year he's uh I think he's going to be a star I think he's uh in a in a year or two we're going to be talking about him as the the second or the 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 first uh shooting guard in the league like I think he he's got all NBA um potential in in a year or two I I think I think in a couple years you'd take him over a guy like Clay over a guy like uh Brad Beal I just think he's that good of a scorer if you watch him I mean, he's got unlimited range. He can pull up uh, really quickly off the dribble, kind of the way that uh, a guy like Steph Curry or Damian Lillard does. Kind of the, the dream scenario if you're if you're building an offense in today's NBA is a guard that can can do that off the dribble, and he's just unstoppable in terms of getting to the rim. Unless you just want to completely crowd the paint. Like once he gets by his guy, he can kind of weave in and and just kind of create angles to get the ball in just because of his extreme athleticism. I, I don't know if there's a better athlete in the league right now. He doesn't even – a lot of these aren't even dunks. He's just finding a way to get in close and then just kind of laying it in. He's He's been really good defensively from what I've seen. And part of the reason why I think Towns is – kind of letting some people down is just because of how good Levine and Wiggins have been at scoring. Uh, Definitely not at distributing, especially in terms of of Wiggins, but those guys have just been so uh, efficient in terms of getting their buckets that I just don't think, I think it's hard to kind of tell guys that are that talented at scoring to involve the big Mm -hmm. man. And I think that's where kind of coaching comes in. You got to find a way to, work the offense through towns and and use those guys as secondary pieces if you want to kind of maximize the the wins you could get this season but I think Levine is more than capable of of putting up 25 Mm -hmm. points a game no I mean with towns he's he's attempting you know per game and only three games for the T-Wolves so far but he's right on pace with with field goal attempts where he was last season he's taking more threes already um, I don't think that's the issue. Like you said, it's just you, they, they have these other scoring options who are playing really well. I mean, Gorgie Jang was like seven of eight from the field the other night too. So like, it's not that Towns is getting the ball and turning it over, or missing shots. He's just not getting as many looks because they're getting quality looks elsewhere. But I, I will admit I've been a little bit slow to come around on Levine. I've always liked him, and, and I don't know that you know before towards the end of last year I ever thought he'd be more than a you know a really good starter, but. It's kind of, you know, this team was kind of compared to an early OKC uh, in a lot of ways. And, you know, they had the, the 
their core pieces are obviously different than Westbrook and Durant, you know, being a dynamic all-around wing and a dynamic point guard. They kind of have, you know, their Durant is Towns, their Westbrook is Wiggins, and now, to me, Levine is kind of their Harden. And, and if you look, you know, the per 100 possession numbers uh, between Harden and his final two years at OKC and, and Levine's the last year, you know, year plus are very, very similar. And I think with Harden, nobody knew quite how good of an all-around player he was until he went to Houston because he didn't have to be in mm-hmm. OKC. All of a sudden, we find out he's a top 10 passer in the league. He, he can average eight assists with ease. Like, do you think we could see the same with Levine in the scenario that he were to go to another team for whatever reason where you know, he goes to a bad team and they ask him to do everything and be the primary ball handler? Could he be a 23-6-7 and seven guy? I don't think he's that type of player. I think he would have the same kind of uh, impact, the same kind of fanfare if he went to his own team. But I think it would be more kind of 28, 29, 30 points a game, and then like five and five. Which and, is still fine. And you're – I mean, he, I, he's just a, a scorer. I mean, I, I think Harden, regardless of what role he's in, regardless of what team he's on, is one of the five or six best passers in the league when he's looking to involve his teammates – Levine's not that at all. I mean, he's he's a very capable distributor for a two guard, but he, he's not a point guard, even though that's how they were trying to use him early on. Uh, defensively, I think he's a much better player than Harden. He's, he's got um, major upside there, obviously, as a, as a guy that can guard multiple positions. Uh, the thing that I always kind of come back to with him that I think people were kind of missing the boat on is that he's a year younger than Chris Dunn. Like, that's right. where he's at developmentally. He right now is where Chris Dunn was a year ago in terms of his, you know, career arc. Mm-hmm. So like, that's extremely scary. Like if if this was a rookie doing what Zach Levine's doing this season, everyone would be talking about it. But because he's been in the the league for a few years, nobody's really uh, that hyped up about it. But I mean, he's he's 21 years old. What's he gonna look like when he's 24 years old? Like how many? What what's mm-hmm. what are his numbers gonna look like at well, that point? So see, well the thing that. I think this can kind of work both ways. Like with Wiggins, or, or not with Wiggins, with Levine, you know, we talked about he's not the distributor that Harden is. He doesn't have the kind of vision that, that those type of players do. But what he does have is he's the most athletic player and the most athletic guard right. in the NBA. And like that, I think he's finding ways to use that as more of an advantage yeah. than just dunking. I, I mean, he's... Oh, yeah, yeah. And there are, there are some guys in the league who never figure that out. You know, there's Gerald Greens who just kind of, yeah, it helps them a ton when they get into the lane and can finish. But... Levine uses that athleticism in other ways. It's not just verticality. Exactly. He like when you're that athletic, you can get a shot off right. in really any situation. Like you you're just going to be able to by putting one dribble down, you're going to be able to jump away from your mm-hmm. defender and, and create space. Uh his his whole game this year has been basically layups and three-pointers and that's going to be kind of the next genesis for him is is you know, de- developing that mid-range game that that all the great two guards have had, he just doesn't really need it because unlike guys like Kobe and and Michael Jordan, he's already a better three-point shooter than those guys ever were. So like, it's kind of hard to. It's just. It's <laughs> I just, knew we would get our way to Levine Jordan well, comparison. No, so. I'm. I'm on. I'm being honest here. Like, <laughs> he what, is, what's like, you know, how do you kind of sell him on developing mm-hmm. that? you know, 15 to to 18 foot game when he's hitting three pointers at a 44% clip and getting to the 
rim with ease. I mean, th- mm-hmm. those are like that's what you want is three pointers and layups, and yep. that's what he's giving you uh, a ton of. So that'll be just kind of interesting to sort of see because there is a lot more room for him to to grow as a scorer, even even though mm-hmm. he's been this good this early. So Wiggins is playing really really well to begin the year as well, up you know close to twenty four points per game. And again, we can't stress enough; it's only been three games. It's it's too early to tell, but. Uh, he looks fine. I mean, really, this Minnesota team—it's kind of with as good as their top three has played, and and Jang as well. Uh, it's it's kind of strange that they're one and two. That they, they had a great chance to win that first game against Memphis, and, and obviously got their revenge last night with with the Grizzlies sitting a couple key guys. But so going forward, what you know, how does this dynamic work with Minnesota? I mean, can they have three? I, I don't know if I would say alpha dogs, but can they have three guys who are all you know on this path to be really, really good? Can they develop them all together? Can they play with each other? And can they keep them all long-term? Uh, I think keeping them all long-term is going to be, be the easier thing, honestly. I think getting all the pieces, to maximizing the pieces together is going to be the hardest thing because... Uh, they're just all such unique talents and really none of them are distributors. Right. So you need, you need that kind of perfect point guard to get them involved or you sort of have to talk Levine and Wiggins into being okay with kind of taking turns to the point where they're not going to get theirs every night and you have, and you run the team through towns I mean, it's just it's it's very hard to construct a, a team where you have three all-star caliber players and none of them are primary ball handlers. Right, and you know, I think you know, you say a point guard who can distribute and get them all involved, like that should be Ricky Rubio. But I don't know if you can have that point guard out there who's not a shooting threat. Like to me, that kind of that takes away, you know, what he brings as a distributor and a guy who doesn't need to get his shots. I think really all you need is. Um, you need him to get to the point where he's hitting like 33, 35% of his threes and he's willing to shoot when he's wide open. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it could be done if, if he, even if he wasn't like an, a, a great three point shooter, as long as, you know, if, if you have those three main guys operating at such an elite level and you have a, a really, really good ball handler who, who's got excellent, excellent court vision and, and is running the offense. I think you can make it work without the point guard uh, being a shooter, especially since those three guys, one of them being a center, can all shoot. So I, I don't think that's necessary, but I think you need to uh, believe in that point guard to the point where he's going to grow with those three guys because if you keep switching it out and bringing new guys in or you're not quite satisfied with with the guy you have, then – it gets a little trickier what mm-hmm. what they need to do is they need to develop defensively the way we thought they would right you know yeah I mean, that's that, been the issue so far and i think they'll get there eventually um all right, anything else you want to touch on from these last couple nights in the nba before we get to prospect stuff uh no i think uh no? i think that's good okay uh so you wrote an article that just went on the site earlier today uh the prospect post scouting joel Embiid. so we'll we'll talk about that uh and you also included uh, kind of a look ahead at the 2017 NBA draft, your top 10 prospects uh, for that, and we'll dive into that as well. But let's start with Embiid. Um, I mean, I, I guess I'll just ask you a, a very general question, and you can kind of take it wherever you want. I mean, what did you, what was your overall takeaway or some of your overall takeaways as you kind of went in depth on Embiid? Uh, so I, I, 
I saw some things I didn't like from him in the preseason, and I don't know if it's just that teams don't have a, a full scouting report on him yet and don't really know how to defend him or if he's actually uh, made this many improvements this early on. But, I mean, he's there's not a ton in his game that you can really complain about, uh, and that's kind of crazy to say after only three NBA games. I mean, the, the two biggest issues I sort of have with him right now are he's extremely susceptible to double teams. Like if, if you run a second man at him, uh, he just doesn't really know what to do. Uh, he's, he's going to turn the ball over a lot. Um, but teams haven't been doing that so far in the regular season, uh, which I think you kind of got to assume they will in, in time. I mean, I don't think all these teams have really had time to lay out uh, in-depth game plans, especially against a team like the 76ers, who they anticipate beating regardless and knowing that Embiid's only going to play 20 minutes. Um, and the other the other kind of flaw I think that he sort of has right now is he, he kind of thinks that he can put the ball on the deck a little bit too much and, oh, yeah. and get to the rim and when the defense doesn't get in his way and kind of make him go around them then he's really good at, at scoring like that but when they do get in his way it, it leads to offensive fouls leads to turnovers leads to uh, poor shots so I think just kind of playing under control especially in the the half court is going to be important but offensively i mean the the stuff he's doing in in the mid-range is is really kind of crazy uh for someone his size i mean i think you and i kind of agree that he's he's seven three two eighty two ninety even though he's listed at seven foot uh two fifty mm-hmm. and his best uh what he's been doing the best offensively so far this year has been shooting in the mid-range he's shooting 58.3 percent uh from there and he's actually been kind of mediocre in close he's hit two of his five three-point attempts but those have both been like wide 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 open looks from the top of the key it's and it's only five shots so i'm not going to read too much into how how good of a three-point shooter he is but the mid-range looks legit i mean he's got he can shoot it off the dribble in there he can use his size to sort of create space i mean there's just no way to defend a guy that's that big that's going to be shooting 18 footers off the dribble I mean I I don't know what you would do to guard that other than like I said double team him and that's that's kind of what teams are gonna have to start doing going forward yeah the the ball handling has impressed me that was something we didn't see a ton at Kansas and you kind of have to jog your memory to even remember you know Embiid at Kansas he only played 28 games he was kind of a mystery then you know it really wasn't until the big 12 season came around that you know that the the you know non-diehard Kansas fan really knew much about Joel Embiid um I mean this is a guy who took five threes his entire college career and you know now all of a sudden that's a part of his game but you can see in in the the article you included a lot of you know video clips and how comfortable he is handling the ball you know he's not going to be a guy who's breaking ankles you know going coast to coast but he catches you know 18 20 feet from the basket he'll go between his legs he can I mean he can cross over Mm -hmm. for a 7-2 guy and you know you also have to remember he's being guarded by other seven footers who aren't you know quick footed it's easier to cross those guys up like He's so smooth with the ball. It's not necessarily all that quick, but it's not awkward. It's not herky-jerky like it is with a lot of big guys. And, you know, he kind of uses that to size up defenders. I mean, there's a clip in here where he he spins baseline and just flips a floater up with his with his right hand as he's spinning the opposite direction. Like, there's not a lot of big men 
that can get that shot, let alone make that shot. So, I mean, I've been impressed with what I've seen. I mean, he has the, he has the highest usage rate in all of the NBA among players uh, who are not named Jordan Hill or Jake Lehman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Lehman's number two right uh, now. I mean, that's that's high company right there. Right, a cat go, and go Cats, Jake Lehman. Jake Lehman. Um, yeah, I, I think, like what you said, like he needs to be okay with not being uh, super fast with the ball, like in the half court, because when he's one-on-one, he can take his time, be, be smooth, um, be, you know, very kind of deliberate, I guess. And he's just going to power overpower people, uh, that I have that clip of like Nikola Vucevic trying to guard him on the, on the wing, no help comes. And he just kind of, it's sort of like the NBA version of like a bull rush. Like he just yeah. kind of puts, well, he rips through, yeah, puts yeah. his shoulder down and just gets to the hoop, and Vucevic just can't do anything about it. Was it was good D, honestly, by Vucevic. I don't know what else you can really ask. Like he has him pinned basically against the sideline, and Embiid just takes right. another dribble, moves him back, and has an easy layup. And he honestly, I the there's you get the Hakeem Olajuwon comp so much, um, but I think when you're just talking about him in close. I, I think he reminds me a lot of Shaq in yes. just how one guy just can't stop him. Like when he gets the ball in close, I'm not sure how he's uh, shooting so poorly. Uh, from he's it, he's from smoother than Shaq, but he doesn't have that overwhelming like he doesn't have vertical the, power that right, Shaq exactly. had. Like, he's not, and Bede's not finishing these with like huge dunks that are borderline breaking the rim. That's why uh, you know that's why the Hakeem comp doesn't work for me. That's why the the Shaq comp uh, kind of falls short is because he's not he gets there and then he does like a a off the glass type of, you know, Mm -hmm. something that Tim Duncan would do basically. But if it's Shaq or it's Hakeem, he's just going to get up and dunk Mm -hmm. over you. And maybe he will once he, you know, I mean, it's easy to forget this guy's played three Mm -hmm. basketball games in the last like three years. And, and this all just kind of at the end, it just comes down to the, the big health caveat. I think that they're doing the right thing with the way they're handling him this year. I think you, uh, you have to kind of view him as, like a starting pitcher that's had a major elbow injury you you work him back slowly uh you kind of build up his minutes um like you'd build up a pitcher's innings and i think they have to give him a bunch of strategic dnps this year on on like second nights back to backs uh third game in four days those types of things and they have to make sure that he's not playing 28 30 minutes a game with any regularity and then next year, let's hope he gets through this season healthy. Mm-hmm. Then next year, you can kind of start to take the training wheels off and make him, you know, that 30, 32 minute a game type of guy who can lead this team to wins, even if even if all he's got next to him is is Ben Simmons and, and Dario Saric and whoever they get in, in this upcoming draft. I think that if he's playing 30 minutes a game for you, you're going to be able to beat a lot of teams if he's healthy. Yeah, what I do like about Embiid is – even though he knows he knows his situation, obviously medically, he knows his minutes restrictions. Uh, he he gets where this franchise is at. Like he, when he's on the court, he's playing like he's an established superstar mm-hmm. in terms of commanding the ball, getting the ball, and not always making the right play. But he's trying to make something happen every time, and that can be good and right. bad. And you see it with a lot of rookies, and Embiid is a rookie. I, what game was it? The OKC game a week ago um, was close at the end, and you know Oklahoma City ends up winning, but. I mean, down the stretch, it was just get it into Embiid, whether he was on the block, on the outside. You're running, and this is a team that doesn't really have a point guard in Philly, so that's part of it. But 
they were just you never see a team dump it down to a big guy with a minute left in a tie game and just let him go to work there are there just aren't that many guys in the league that are like that um and Embiid to me you know you can say Davis you can say Towns like Embiid's more of a a true center to me than those guys are for sure and it's just his type of center like the good centers in the league these days are the Tyson Chandler archetype you know the can like, finish everything like, inside three feet, nothing outside. Stephen Stephen Adams has been called by some of the best center in the <laughs> exactly, league. Man. Like that's that's where the center position is right yeah. now. Yeah, and it's not a knock on Stephen Adams necessarily, but it's like if you if you transported Stephen Adams back to like 1997, mm-hmm. he's like the eighth or ninth or twelfth best center in the league. Right, and well, and that that clip you're talking about where Embiid spins baseline, that's on Stephen Adams. Yeah, Stephen Adams' number one quality, I think most people would say, is his defense. And he just doesn't have a chance. Like I mean, I mean again, it wasn't bad D. It's right. the same thing with Vucevic. It's just a better like that's how good Embiid is and can be. Uh, I can't wait. I mean, I hope and, later in the season at least he starts playing closer to thirty. And we didn't even talk about his defense. Like no. he's he's averaging four and a half blocks per thirty six. Uh, I included this one clip of of him blocking Dwight Howard where he comes uh, weak side. He's all over like. It should like it should be a foul. Like it shouldn't be possible to block that shot without fouling him, and yet he somehow doesn't that's, foul. That's him. what's been most like, impressive. I mean, he had a chase down block on Oladipo at the end of that Oklahoma City game. It didn't really end up mattering, but he's not he's not just blocking shots. Like when I watch Hassan Whiteside play, he's just kind of vertical. Mm-hmm. He'll meet guys at the rim. He'll tap shots away. He'll swat. Like Embiid's not getting these you know one on one meet me at the rim blocks. It's he's you know he's rushing across the lane to reach out and just tip it with his mm-hmm. left hand. And like you said, it looks like he's following the guys, but then you see the replay, and he just he's able to contort his arms and contort his body to affect these shots or block these shots really without fouling. And, and that's what's most impressive. And the NBA refs are already kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt on a lot of these calls. Like he's a lot of these blocks. I don't think many players get away with them. Like I've seen, I've seen Giannis just get completely screwed over by by officials because they don't they don't realize kind of what he's capable of i think Embiid's already just looked at as like a very established shot blocker in the league among the the officials which is which is good for him so to finish on Embiid, if he's not Shaq, if he's not hakeem i mean is there a comp out there if not who who is he a blend of uh i don't think there's a comp out there at all really i mean i think you can only get about 50 percent of the way there no matter who who you're uh comparing him to i guess um you know maybe maybe a a combination of of like hakeem and david robinson and like he does have a little white side in him he's not quite as athletic as robinson or hakeem and like Embiid's a great athlete but he's he's just, he's bulkier than those guys were like i mean robinson was a complete right. freak um yeah, it's it's there. See, I I just don't I don't even know where to go with this because I just don't think they're mm-hmm. I like I don't think you can get close with one guy, and the the whole thing about him being able to shoot threes and like having this this sort of advanced mid range game given where he's at as a player makes it just sort of impossible because yeah. then you want to start throwing guys like like uh, you know he's got some Carlton Towns he's got some. Yeah, it's just there's there's nothing that really makes sense mm-hmm. if you start just throwing a bunch of names in there. I mean, I think he's he's one of those truly unique players that, that doesn't come along very often. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so looking ahead to the 2017 draft, um, this is going to be a fun one. I, I feel like we've gone through a couple drafts in a row now that 
have had some talent at the top. You know, you get your your token college stars, your mm. Denzel Valentine type of guys in every draft. And this is going to be an awesome year for college basketball, partially because of these freshmen. But this is going to be, you know, a, an absolutely loaded, loaded class. And, you know, you have your top 10 guys here. And, you know, the number one recruit in the country is at number seven. And, you know, part of that, Harry Giles, is the is the injury concern with him. But, I mean, that's legit how deep this class is. I mean, you even without those injury concerns, you could make a case for five or six other guys to go number one. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to, to kind of track this throughout the college basketball season. I mean, I mean, last year it was basically – um you know it was basically down to simmons and ingram even it was it was simmons to well, begin the year right. and then ingram you know as every year somebody creeps up mm. you know it was like all right ingram's actually making this somewhat of a debate but it was really always simmons and you know it was kind of the same debate with wiggins and parker a few years ago but i mean this year we're going to have that scenario but there's going to be seven guys who are you know week to week that could change yeah i i think and it's it's an awesome draft because there's so much uh diversity in terms of yeah. what position these guys play like if you want a point guard you're going to be able to get a pretty awesome point guard if you're picking in the top six if you want a dynamic wing you'll be able to get one of those in the top five if you want a quality big man you'll be able to get one of those there's, there's some stretch bigs out there there's uh some some combo guards i mean there's just a lot of of everything really and it it's it's going to be kind of interesting. I mean, teams might legitimately factor in need yeah. in the number one overall spot. No, seriously. Like, I, which, it, which almost never happens. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you got you have Markel Fultz, number one. Um, I mean, if you don't know who Markel Fultz is, what's the closest cop? I mean, it's, you don't ever want to say Westbrook, but, I mean, this guy reminds me. It, it's kind of a Westbrook mixed with Emmanuel Moutier for me. Huh. Um, I think he's he's just really – tough to kind of pin down because of his size like he's he's six four uh he's basically a point guard in a two guards body but he can score so like i don't know i I think like a score first point guard but he's taller than most of those Mm -hmm. those types of guys i guess uh i I don't really have a good comp i mean maybe like gilbert arenas like I don't know. I I don't know if he's like. I mean, Arenas was such a good like pull up three point shooter. I don't mm-hmm. know if he has that. I mean, I've seen Dwayne Wade comps with mm-hmm. him. You know that kind of that's. But he has that body style. You know, I mean, he's not as ripped, I guess, yet as Dwayne Wade. But I it's going to be fun because he's playing at Washington, and they're not going to be a bad team. But this is going to be his team, and he's going to have near triple doubles multiple times this year. Right, and he he has all the tools to be dominant on on both ends. Uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see what his sort of interest level is on the defensive end. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think he's just – he's got the most tools, I think, yeah. of, of any of these players and therefore, to me, kind of a really high ceiling but also a, a high floor just because, like, even if even if he doesn't kind of live up to, to the hype, you're still looking at mm-hmm. a, a likely top 10, top 12 point guard the point guards in this draft are, are the most fun i think like you have you have just some of the most unique prospects that we've had come through college basketball in five ten years and they all kind of align i mean markel fultz like i said he reminds me a lot of moody that athleticism that size like moody didn't even play college basketball last year um or two i didn't want to go along with your moody account because i think moody sucks me well but, me too um, but i think like body body wise <laughs> athleticism yeah, wise he looks you, like him if you want to throw a, like a physical right. comp on him then moody is i wish him. fultz was going to going to kentucky or kansas i mean washington will be a lot of fun but like he would be 
he would be a John Wall level like star if he went to Kentucky. And it's kind of a shame that he's not. Luckily, Kentucky has like five other guys mm-hmm. that could do that. Um, but I mean, Dennis Smith is the other one. I mean, him and Fultz are kind of usually listed one and two in some order uh, in terms of point guards in this draft. Not necessarily number one pick, although they're both very much in contention of that for that. And then you have Lonzo Ball, who's kind of the opposite. These Smith and Fultz are both those attacking, uber athletic, you mm-hmm. know, can do it all type of point guards. Whereas Ball doesn't have the athleticism, but he's six six. He'll pull up from five feet behind the line, and I mean, he's been called the best passing recruit that some scouts have ever seen. Yeah, I'm not as high on him as some places are, uh, just because. I think the jump shot is is it's ugly, really, really ugly, and it needs to be overhauled. And it's hard to rank a guy high who needs his entire shooting mechanics. Well, people overhauled. say like, oh, well, he ma- he made it a lot in in high school. It's like he did, but I mean, this is this is bad. This is, it's not Sean Marion bad, but it's close. It's worse. I mean, I think it's like like Sean Marion's at least was like it was a gross. Like the form was gross, yeah. but it was like it was he quick. repeated it every single time. He got it off yeah. quick. Uh, ball a, just lays a, t- a ton of bricks up there. It's it's well, he brings the ball all the way across his body, left to right, and kind of squares it in front of his face and with a flick. You know, yeah. it doesn't get a lot of arc because like it's a shot you can get like or get off against a, when you're six six going up against five eleven high schoolers. But when you're being guarded by a six eight guy with his hand in your face, like you, that shot's not going to feasibly work, right? Whether and, you're making it or not. And I think uh, it'll just. I, I think he's got the most developed meant still to to do amongst yes. the the top guys i like uh frank nicklina out of france more than him I, I think he's got the he's got an even more intriguing um physical um like just frame and yeah. size and length than even than even fultz or or uh ball because he's kind of got that sort of sean livingston-y kind of frame um a little bit a little bit shorter but i mean just extremely long he's he's got a pretty smooth jumper from what i've seen he he hasn't kind of gotten to the point where it's it's a consistent shot but i think it, it'll get there and uh very very willing passer um so i mean he's he's definitely a point guard even though he's kind of got the the body of of even like a wing um just just looks like a guy that could be a, an absolute star on both ends and, and people aren't gonna see a ton of him uh who did you like who do you like the most out of uh josh jackson and jason tatum because those are the the two wings that everyone talks about as you know maybe they wouldn't go number one today but they both could easily play their way mm-hmm. into the number one spot yeah. um i mean josh jackson is good. going to be a top five pick i think just because he's kind of the incumbent you know like he reminds he's a lot like wiggins to me like i mean the kansas comparison or you know going to kansas i guess is is just kind of a, a coincidence but I like I, he's one of those guys that like he's not like a huge huge scorer necessarily but like he does he's a freak athlete he's a great defender he's long like he I think he, he's I think he's my comp for him in at least in recent drafts would be Jalen Brown um you think so because of like I think he's gonna go top five because I think he's better offensively than Jalen Brown I've I mean Jalen like, Brown T-Mac comps with him and I think that's pretty spot on all right I mean Jalen Brown nobody thought there were really questions offensively until he got to college and, yeah um but i mean like i i just in terms of athletically mm-hmm. a guy like that on the wing isn't going to fall out of the top five right. just like jalen brown went number three just because of his his measurements basically mm-hmm. um i mean jackson's going to test off the charge I, I do wonder i mean he's going to kansas he's probably best suited playing the two 
especially right now when he barely weighs 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, Kansas already has, you know, an experienced backcourt that they're, they're not moving one of those guys to the right. bench. So, I mean, he's going to be playing the three. I think there's going to be games, much like Wiggins, where he scores six points and takes four shots, you know, I don't fine. think his – I don't think he's – as as advanced as as Wiggins was, like he he's probably a bit more uh, assertive than Wiggins was, but yeah, Wiggins was just so smooth and and everything just came so easy to him that he was going to play twenty twenty eight twenty eight twenty eight. See, depending on you know Bill Self obviously benched top prospects before. I could see Josh Jackson only seeing like twenty four minutes a game, um, maybe twenty six yeah. minutes a game, depending on on what the need is uh Tatum to me is Tatum to me has some Wiggins in him just in that he's such a dynamic scorer but just does not pass at all uh like that that to me kind of I think screams Wiggins I think he could have a Jabari Parker type of year for Duke and maybe not uh quite to that type of you know separating himself as the best player you know and because he might not even be the best NBA prospect on this team like I think Duke might have so much Mm -hmm. talent that Tatum's numbers won't be all that good but uh, I saw like, a vintage Danny Granger comp for him the other day, and like, I thought that was really, really good. The way he plays, mm-hmm. like, he's quietly dominant. I think is is something that you would use to describe him. Like just one of those guys that isn't going to be throwing down, you know, windmill dunks. I mean, he's a good athlete, mm-hmm. but he's not. He, he's not going to be making highlight plays, but he'll give you twelve points, eight rebounds, you know, three assists, a couple steals, and a block. I mean, I, I think his his floor is maybe the highest of of any of these top guys, and that's saying a lot. I think Fultz has the highest floor, uh, but that I think that to me is Tatum. Tatum might just be such a such a like a black hole that he, unless he's scoring at just a, a crazy mm-hmm. uh, efficient clip, like teams might not even necessarily want him uh, if he just doesn't really play within a system. Whereas I think Fultz, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I mean it, that's it's, never that's never really an issue at Duke, is it? Um. I mean, I don't think Coach K would say you can't come here because you don't pass enough. If it's yeah. <laughs> it's a guy that's this good, like right. he'll he'll try to make it work. I mean, Coach K is gonna gonna probably mm-hmm. make it work. I just I think it'll be interesting to kind of see what yeah. happens at the NBA level. And none of these guys have even played a official yeah. official college game yet, so it's it's hard to I mean say too much there. Mm-hmm. But there's some really interesting teams that are going to be picking near the top next year that that can use. Just maybe that one more possibly franchise type of player and they're going to get a chance to get them. I mean, the Magic, I think, to me, are a team that uh, people thought was going to be kind of in the mid-30s. Now they kind of look like a team that might be in the mid-20s in terms of wins. They they could obviously use an upgrade at point guard. They're going to have point guards available to choose from. Uh, The Sixers could, uh, could use another scoring wing mm-hmm. they're gonna have guys like that to choose from the the suns don't really need anything necessarily but they they could kind of take best available the pelicans need a little bit of everything the lakers needed it to fall in the top three and, well and the other thing is you don't have to be that bad in this draft you know and these some of these players will separate themselves when the college season begins but you, you can get like the eighth pick in this draft and land a point guard that would otherwise go like third in other drafts right like uh like to me, the Aaron Fox out of Kentucky yeah. is—he's got like a lot of Brandon Knight in him. To oh me. yeah, and like you could basically get uh, 
like another Brandon Knight with like the ninth or tenth pick in this right. draft, and maybe later with him. I mean, yeah. you, you have your top ten guys. Your nine are freshmen, and he's the only Kentucky guy in there, which is also crazy to me. We have all these big time freshmen, and you know, Kentucky has I think the number two class behind Duke this year. Uh, but they they kind of swung and missed on all of like the top 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 guys, and mm-hmm. Fox is probably the closest. I mean, uh, Mal- a lot of people love Malik Monk. I I think he's gonna he's, do some crazy stuff, but I just, yeah. He, I think he reminds me a lot of Ben McLemore, where it's like you see it like on tape, he looks awesome. Physically, he's awesome. He's an insane leaper. The shot looks great, but then in games, it just doesn't get put together. I think he's more uh, assertive than McLemore, but I, I definitely see that. I mean, he didn't, I didn't put him in the top ten, so obviously I have some issues with him. But uh, he's going to be the most fun player to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and mean, maybe, he's the, maybe in the country, he's the best dunker. He has kind of unlimited range. Um, so yeah, I mean, he he could have that mm-hmm. year that everyone's kind of talking about but then people come draft time are like well here's what he can't necessarily right. do at the next level and people are going to be surprised that he doesn't he could be one of those guys like this season i could see him averaging like 12 points 1.1 assists and like 1.6 rebounds like doesn't really do anything outside of score see i could see him averaging like 16 or 17 points and everyone just thinking that he's the best player yeah. in kentucky and then fox goes kind of having a little like draft. a duran lamb type of situation <laughs> going on here um what about uh, is it is it Adebayo Bam Adebayo? Yeah, I, I started reading up on him and, and watching a lot of film on him last week. Uh, he is more impressive than I thought, and it's tough, you know, especially evaluating seven footers who have like NBA bodies already as seventeen year olds going up against these poor, poor white kids in these in these YouTube videos. But he reminds me a lot of Andre Drummond, uh, maybe a little bit more fleet of foot already, I think, than Drummond is, especially on the defensive end. Yeah, I sort of have a bias against uh, big men when there's this much uh, guard and and wing talent available. So like I I I didn't put him in the top ten, but I mean I think out of him, uh, Mark Marquez uh, Bolden out of Duke. I mean uh, one of those guys, you know, that they could kind of establish themselves this year as as top five, top top six guys. I mean. Uh, even some guys that are coming back, uh, the the two guys on Indiana, like the, yeah. I think one Thomas of those Bryant, like might be an end of the first round guy now. Without, like, I think he should have came out last right. year because it was, this this draft is just so I, deep. I think OG Ananobi is a is a candidate to play his way into yes. the top ten. Like I, I he's. I almost feel like the Victor Oladipo enough. thing has been put on him too much, but like it, it would not surprise anyone if he made that same ascent. I mean, nobody right. thought Oladipo was going to go what top four? Was he fourth mm-hmm. overall in that draft? Like, I mean, they're different players, but I mean, they they have the same sort of college yes. arcs in terms of how they've built up their draft stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think if I were to kind of pick one, I have Ivan Rab in the top ten, so I, I have him at eight, so he doesn't really qualify. But if I was to pick one guy uh, returning from last year to play his way into that that top. 10 or so uh, i think he would be my pick um real quickly what about harry giles the should be the most celebrated recruit in this class he's had three knee operations and you know to be to be fair it's not like he's torn his acl three times but he just had a knee scope uh at the end of the summer we're not really sure when we're going to see him you know full strength no restrictions if he's healthy if the knee checks out if he has a, a you know good to great freshman year at duke is he the guy that has to go number one no, not at all. I think, uh, I think like like we've talked about, I think there's just so much talent in this class that I don't think you, 
anyone who starts saying like in November or December or even January, February, oh, this this guy, number one pick, like then, I mean, you're crazy. Like there's just too much talent here uh, for anyone to, to kind of create that much separation that, that we should wait uh, or that we should make conclusions before the combine, uh, before the draft interviews and everything like that, that someone's going to go number one. Uh, the biggest question for me with Giles is just, is the explosiveness going to come back mm-hmm. after those surgeries? Because I think that was such a big part of what made him uh, the top prospect uh, in this class coming in was just how you know he could jump out of the gym. He had that, that crazy motor, uh, was really good at going end to end. I mean, if, if he loses a step or, or, or maybe doesn't quite get that same bounce back, uh, then he definitely kind of l- loses a little bit because I don't see him developing into a stretch. I mean, he's mm-hmm. got to be a guy that does a lot of damage down low, and maybe he just ends up being, you know, Julius Randle or something like that, yeah, which isn't isn't that exciting. I think he reminds me a lot, if, if things break right, of a more athletic Toronto Chris Bosh. Where he could step out a little bit, you know, he wasn't he wasn't three point shooter that he became in Miami, but I mean, he was just a force end to end. You know, you could well, run a team through him. You know, I've made I've Ivan Rab's my my Chris Bosh guy. Yeah. In, in this draft, I think he's right. If you forget about Bosch. Rab, I mean, yeah. this is I, he made a very questionable decision coming back too, given the talent. But I mean, is he your first non freshman that should be going off the board? Right now, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's hard to even say who somebody else could play their way up there. But, yeah, that's what I was saying. Uh, OG uh, yeah. could do it, but I mean, I think going in right now, he's the obvious mm-hmm. uh, first non-freshman to right. come on. I mean, even Grayson Allen, like I don't. The thing with Grayson Allen is like he could have an insane senior year, uh, or I guess I think he's only a junior. Yeah. Um, I mean, he could average twenty-five, six, and six, but like I still don't know if anybody takes him above like ten. I think he probably goes in the top twenty. I, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't even know if 20. there's. I don't know if everyone's even in agreement that he's that right now, but I think. By the end of the year, he's just going to have such a solid year. Mm-hmm. And some of these guys that we have up here are going to play their way out of the top 20. Right. He's going to be sitting there at like 14, 15. Some team's going to take him. But even if he were to have like a crazy, crazy good year, just be the unanimous player of the year, I don't even think he goes top 10 no. because you're going to have that, well, you know, upperclassmen, you know, the Kaminsky's and Buddy Heald's before him haven't really panned out. Uh, come on we've got all these <laughs> what do you mean it hasn't panned out he's three games into his career he hasn't panned out let's face it <laughs> uh it was a bad pick folks it was a bad <laughs> pick <laughs> um but yeah i mean I, there's just so much young talent in this draft that i just think it's gonna be impossible for a guy like Allen to, to play his way into that top 10 okay fair enough well we'll keep checking in on prospects throughout the year um we're only like a what a week or two away from the real start of college yeah. basketball i know wisconsin was playing uw stevens point or something or platteville over the weekend uh so i'm looking forward to games that actually count but we'll keep checking in uh, on these prospects gonna be a lot of fun uh when are you leaving for arizona uh i'm leaving my house tomorrow morning at 5 a.m so yeah yeah. I thought I thought we learned our lesson on flying out of places super Dude, early. I don't have a choice. It this is flying to Arizona has been really really a pain in the ass because I'm flying out uh for this trip and then I also got a bachelor party in spring training next year that I already bought <laughs> tickets to and a rough life you lead. And it's it, it's it was borderline impossible to find a flight for under 400 and I we found one but it did include uh, this early departure time, uh, connector involved tomorrow, so uh, nice. it's just, it's really tough out there. I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to get. When are we gonna get Roto Jet? <laughs> I think we're 
We are nowhere near uh, acquiring a Roto Chat. Maybe I think a we're, Roto, I think a we're Roto closer. Bus. To, I think we're closer. Than <laughs> All right. Well, have fun in Arizona. Uh, we'll check back in next week. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.